And uh, we're recording this uh, just for uh, legal purposes. Uh, you should know this meeting is being live streamed. Got it. You are part of a live stream uh, meeting on Zoom. And for legal purposes, uh, for this deposition, <laughs> I need to inform you of that. When did you become a lawyer? Was that overnight? I don't know, man. Hey, Fred, look, it's Dan Duran. Well, <laughs> hello, Dan Duran. <laughs> okay. So I apologize. Dan. I should have given you a um, notice that um, we had, because we had talked about our schedule down here. Uh, Tuesdays at 7.30, 9.30 Eastern. Wednesdays at 7, 9 Eastern. And then Thursday, tomorrow, our last show before we head home, will be at 7.30. Okay. 7.30, okay. All right, All right, you got that? You got the schedule? You got the schedule? Got it now. Why, why do we move it back to, uh, to this time now? <laughs> Dan, we've had this conversation a hundred times because I got to golf early today. Oh, I see. But listen, yesterday we didn't start the show for 25 minutes. Today we're going to start it immediately. No, that's, that's the end of the show. <laughs> Sorry. That's well, you can get your golf game pretty, uh, that's pretty right. quickly. Yeah. I've got to get going. Here's Dan Duran. This episode of Humble and Fred is being broadcast to the world from the well-equipped Humble and Fred Toronto studio and from our dual satellite studios in San Miguel de Allende. And is brought to you by Bodog, the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, Aaron Ventures, EVNet.ca, and GoDaddy. And now here are two men who are thinking of renaming the show Poopy and Farty and getting a laundry detergent sponsor. It's Humble and Fred. Well, that was immature. What a good idea. Yeah. I mean, the detergent sponsor for sure. Oh, some some uh, some company that claims they can get the stains out because if they can get our stains out, oh, they got to be good. Uh, today on the show, Noel Kassler will join us. Uh, Dan Duran, what's your status about the news today? I uh, won't be doing the news. No news from Dan Duran. I get you, man. And uh, Freddie, a uh, little yes. uh, uh, note for you. Uh, normally on Wednesdays we visit with the Sherpa, but no yes. Sherpa today. And um, you know, before we get into our little Dan Duran uh, discussion, you know, where we sort of shoot the shit with Dan Duran for a while. Another thing that we used to do, and I think it might might be a nice thing to start, is um, is to acknowledge you know a sponsor or two right off the top of the show. In fact, here's a perfect segue. We just mentioned the retirement Sherpa normally here on. Uh, Wednesdays with his advice, but you can access the Sherpa any day if you want. Sure you can. Uh, retirement Sherpa. He's the Retirement Sherpa. Tim, a portfolio manager, a uh, Raymond James, a member of the Canadian Investors Protection Fund. Uh, Tim, uh, licensed on both sides of the border. Listen, if you want to build wealth towards retirement and you're looking for someone to guide you, uh, you know, lead the way. Well, he's the guy. He's the retirement Sherpa. RetirementSherpa.ca is how you contact him. Again, licensed on both sides of the border. So, you know, whether you're an ex an expat or in Canada or you're an American listening to this show, he can help you. He's helped many Humble and Fred listeners. The testimonials have been fantastic. And again, he keeps building that Humble and Fred clientele. We're thrilled for him. We're thrilled for us. 
RetirementSherpa.ca. Uh, we're thrilled for everyone. GoDaddy. <laughs> GoDaddy's recent survey found that women business owners overestimated business startup costs by an average of 56%. If you go to our Facebook page, you can read more about it. Um, we have a little survey there, some research you might be interested in. It's a kind of information you can get from GoDaddy. Powering small business and entrepreneurs for over 25 years and servicing over 20 million customers worldwide. Start your your website today. Get your domain. Get it going. Bring it to life with GoDaddy's free and friendly 24-7 phone support. They're here to help you every step of the way. And you know what? You know what? You can even try it for free. No credit card is even required. Visit GoDaddy.ca to learn more. Hey, Dan. Yeah. Here's some uh, groovy music that uh, Keith Weiland, our sort of silent music director, suggested to Fred and I. It's a guy named Michael Kiwanuka and the song I'll Get Along. A nice little vibe to start a Wednesday morning, Dan. Yeah. (laughs) I got a couple of uh, his selections on my playlist. He had a big hit out last year or the year before. I forget the name of it. Is this guy, Michael Michael Kiwanuka? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I like it. Can smooth that out a little. Kiwanuka. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> you don't sound so old, guy. No, I know. <laughs> so you don't sound like an old man. Hey, buddy. Don't forget tomorrow's Dan Duran birthday day. Oh, yeah, right. Michael yeah. Kiwanuka. Um, Dan Duran, how are things in Toronto? Oh, they're good. Yeah, the snow's melting. You know, we're on a we're on a warm run right now. Nice. The rain's in the forecast. That could be happening. <laughs> uh, Michael Kiwanuka. Um, Cold Little Heart was the his big hit. If you want to play that going out or into another break just to get a taste. Cold Little Heart? Yes. Great song. Great song. Well, I will do that, Michael. There is Cold Little Heart. Would you like to hear a little bit of that right now? Yeah. I got it for you. You probably recognize the song. Is this Michael Kiwanuka? Mm -hmm. I want to get back to the weather here in a second, but first here's Cold Little Heart, Humble and Fred Radio. Damn, I thought I was going to hit the post. (laughs) Boom, 97.3. Nope. Nope. WLS. (laughs) WLS. <laughs> nope. CHAB. Nope. nope. This must be the album version. Jesus. Because it kicks in at some point. Yeah, I hope that point soon. You could all you could do a whole liner here, right? Yeah, this could be good read. Get out your liner card. Okay, I'm gonna get I'm gonna move it along because I when is it? Speaking of cold, I had a note here that I can't remember if it came up in a conversation what with the, you. I don't know what that is you're playing. Cold Little Heart, Michael Kiwanuka. I'm moving on from it. Um, this came up in a conversation with you and I, I think. You mentioned that Toronto or Southern Ontario had just experienced the darkest winter in years. I don't have the stat in front of me. Was it forever or in 80 years or something? Uh, no, it was the darkest winter in like uh, 
800 years or something. 800 years, Dan Duran. That's right. We had mentioned that. 800. Right. Yeah. And now were, you've they got... Keeping, they weren't keeping records 800 years ago. So I, I think this did come up on the show because we were talking about how it was when you went to um, Bible mm-hmm. school 800 years ago. Mm-hmm. Right. No, the yes. 800 years was uh, the uh, next year for something or other, right? Next year in the... Uh, the uh, Spring happens a day early. Oh, early that's spring. right. Okay, so that's, that's where he got. So we hadn't talked about the darkest winter in uh, a long time. Toronto going through a uh, a really dark period in terms of weather. And Fred just sort of teased me a second ago, as he likes to. He said um, <clears throat> that uh, there's some uh, forecast out for summer. Yes, it's going to be warmer but wetter, is what they're saying. The farmers' almanac. And I, lo- I know people love to hear, you know, this, you know, these prognostications, these predictions uh, for the weather going into a season. <clears throat> Rarely do they ever play out, you know, super accurately. Right. But that's what they're saying. Warmer, wetter. Yeah, it's, um, you know, I, I, I feel for people. I mean, I've gone through 33 winters in Toronto, with the exception of this one. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we all get excited about the end of winter and March. It starts to warm up. And some of the, you know, golf courses out in the escarpment area are starting to open up. And then April, May are always a little disappointing. Would you not agree? Yes, I totally agree. <laughs> You know, it's that anticipation. You're thinking, oh, as soon as it hits April, April, me, you know, April flowers, bring May flowers, April showers, bring May flowers. And But again, <laughs> it can be miserable. I can think of many, many, you know, even I'm a little bit excited, you know, when the Masters rolls around. Yeah, exactly. Well, well, it's one of those first signs of spring, too, even though the the season starts in January. Uh, but often I've sat inside during the Masters and it's been miserable outside. Uh, Dan, <laughs> Dan, do you know that uh, April uh, showers bring May flowers? I've heard that, yeah. Like when you came over here uh, as a pilgrim or whenever, like hundreds of years ago, did you? Uh... Yeah, 800 years ago. <laughs> when I was 12. So, Dan, when you were a boy, were you like a millwright? Did you have one of those jobs where you would take the grain and, and you would stomp it with your feet or something and turn it into flour? One of those, did you have one of those jobs when you were a little boy? Yeah. Uh, I, I don't think that's a millwright. That's a, I don't know what it is, Dan, but... <laughs> no. Yeah. No. I was, did you work with... Dan, did you work with a loom as a young man? <laughs> no. No. I, uh, I dug things in the field. Uh, you yeah. removed rocks in bare feet. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, that's what I did. But he worked hard. That's why he was, you know what? He had the biggest buckles on his shoes. <laughs> Finally. All the, all right. the kids on the street, he that's had the right. biggest buckles on his pilgrim shoes and, because he worked so hard. And every Friday, his uh, father uh, would give him the best potato. That uh, <laughs> He always got the nicest potato for his Sabbath dinner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yes, he did. Uh, yes. I would take it to Sunday school and That's right. tell it. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, where th- did you live in the same? So you had a one room. You had a one room home. Uh, no, no, it was dug into the side of a hill. At right. Yeah, yeah. Whether you, yeah. you were it was made of moss, and uh, you and Mammy, you and your Mammy. <laughs> oh no! Yeah. yeah. You and your mama and all the yeah. kids. And yeah. you being the oldest, though, you were given, you had to leave school at, at uh, well, there was no school. You had to go out in the fields at what, age seven, eight? 
<laughs> oh, yeah, no, no. Uh, it, it was uh, expected of all of us to get out. Oh, I see. Mm. Yeah. And uh, dig with our hands. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. We didn't have fingernails after a while. You <laughs> after a while, you were doing That's funny. Yeah. Now, of and course, we stacked rocks for fun. Now, of course, you married um, your first marriage was to uh, a cousin, obviously, because there was nobody else around. <laughs> right. Yeah. Because the population was pretty sparse in the area. Sure. Sure. Yeah. But, uh, you know, things started to change, you know, because uh, over time, you know, you, you invest in your future by, you know, taking some courses here and there. And <laughs> when courses wow. were invented, continue yes. Edu- continue education. <laughs> oh, well, what good. got your attention is when Mr. Marconi invented that radio thing. And then that's you're right. thinking, well, I have a pretty good voice, so maybe I could apply this to that. Oh, it must be crazy to be your age. What you've seen. And the things Dan Duran has seen. Um, yeah. So yeah, when you yeah. first saw or heard about the Wright brothers, was that exciting for you as well? Did you? Well, we heard about it on the radio. Ah, and, that's right. Uh, yeah, that's we wouldn't have seen that, right? And, and, and then the papers uh, a little bit later. But yeah, yeah that was, uh, was pretty <clears throat> exciting. Uh, you know, especially after uh, what Da Vinci had come up with the what his uh, little helicopter when that that came out. You know, it'd be great. I was very uh, excited. Had Fred, to wait. A Fred, while, it would but. be great to get a hold of Dan Duran's uh, original demo tape. Hello, everyone, Mr. and Mrs. America, and all the ships at sea. <laughs> when Dan Duran used to talk like this. <laughs> what Dan has seen. What the Dan things that Dan seen. has seen. Yeah. Oh, it's great to be with a piece of history, a living. That's who you are, Dan, a piece of living history. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. We can uh, get off this bit for a second. Um, Fred and yeah, I. Just, uh, moments, just moments away from being a senior citizen. I'm so excited for you, Dan. Now, uh, what's it like, Fred? Oh, Fred's way oh, past I've that. Settled, I've settled in nicely, no, that's right. Dan. Yeah. Listen. I've settled in nicely. I've accepted it. I'm, I'm good with it, Dan. We understand the uh, hypocrisy of this bit because Fred's older than you. It's just that he accepted <laughs> yeah. it, and you're the one who's like, I don't know how old yeah. I am. Well, according to us, you're older than dirt. Now, do you, <laughs> now at your age, Dan, will you get a, a letter from the prime minister? Dear Dan, congratulations on being hundreds of years old. Yes, Dan, thanks for supporting the, yeah. uh, you know, the left of center in Canada and your contributions to the CBC weekly. Yeah. Of mm-hmm. course, That's every right. prime minister for the last 200 years. <laughs> Before there were prime ministers, I was getting letters. Oh, yeah. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Congratulations. He was getting letters you know, from his local village deacon. When you get to this age, it's notable. And It uh, is notable. Yeah. Yeah, Even it's very that. impressive. Even U.S. presidents have sent me a little notes here and there because, you know, they know I've, I've got, uh, you know, seniority, his, history, history. And I know things. So uh, speaking of which, isn't Uncle Joe coming to, ca- uh, yeah, coming to Canada today? Tomorrow. Today, is it? I think or it's tomorrow? tomorrow. OK. Yeah. Grandpa Joe. I mentioned that at the end of the show. He's coming to visit his uh, grandson, Justin. But we're going to get to U.S. politics. Uh, Noel Kassler is going to be here with a few with us in a few minutes. Uh, but Dan, Freddie was telling me before the show we were talking about. This game, Pickleball, that we've spoken about on the show, it's down here, everyone's going crazy with it. My older brother and his uh, lady friend, uh, Ruth, they play it all the time uh, where I was last month, and uh, we're, there's, we're going to a Pickleball thing on Friday. Uh, but you were a thing. Well, I, I, it's, a, it's pickleball and cooking. I don't know why. But oh. uh, yesterday, Fred said to me before the show, Dan, that he played a game I've kind of heard of. And maybe, Fred, you could explain. It's called Paddleton. Hmm. 
And, um, you know, uh, a cross between like tennis and pickleball, maybe, is how you could describe it. A bigger court than pickleball. You use tennis balls and different uh, rackets (laughs) than pickleball. Um, I would say there's more running or moving in Paddleton than pickleball. But anyway, we played yesterday for several minutes, maybe 45 to an hour, I somewhere in that area, and thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed the game. Uh, Howard, you did you used to play racquetball? Yes. I used, I used to play racquetball with you. Because <clears throat> the court is constructed in such a way where there's a glass backing, so you can play it off the back wall, which is pretty cool. So, you know, it institutes some uh, racquetball as well. Yeah. Um, You know, I I could sit here and try and describe it for the next half hour. If you're interested, just, you know, Google it. Paddleton. But we're going to look at uh, some more of the rules today and get back at it because it it was a lot of fun. And the girls played it and did quite well. And not to be demeaning there, like I'm surprised they did. They Well, you sort of sounded a little surprised there. Okay, but they did quite well. <laughs> you had a little bit of uh, incredulous in your voice. The girls played well. They did nicely. Well, I didn't want anyone to get hurt. You know, a couple of times I lunged at a ball, and I knew that was a mistake. So you've got to get your 67-year-old head into that space of, you know, you know, if I was 20 years younger, I'd go after that ball. Maybe it's not a good idea to go after it this time at this age. You know, you never know. Right? Well, let me ask you, we're, we're, Freddie and I are going to this thing with a group of people on Friday, and it includes about 45 minutes of pa- uh, pickleball, which I played once with Rachel when we first got these paddles. And again, forgive me, I don't have it in front of us, the nice people who gave us these paddles. But I've been making a big stink about it. I don't want to play pickleball because all I need to do is tear my ACL and six or seven months of my golf season is gone. But that being said, let me ask you this. Is there a way to play this without kind of running around too much just to hammer the ball back and forth? Because I think I'm going to do that. Well, yeah, it's all up to you. It's just what I just said. A couple of times yesterday, the ball would go low and it was forward, and I lunged at it, and I thought the next time that happens, I'm not going to. I'm going to let the ball go because it's in that movement that I would probably pull something or hurt my knee or yeah, something. Exactly. You've, just, you've got to be realistic. So if you're on the court tomorrow, just decide I'm going to stand in this spot, and if the ball comes within this range, I'll hit it. If it doesn't, I won't. Figure it out. So, Dan... Like hundreds of years ago, when you had like a stick and a rock and uh, <laughs> and you would smack it back and forth with your, you know, fellow Christians. Um, did you ever worry about getting injured? <laughs> no, not in the day. We use snowshoes, by the way. Oh, right, right. Because of the webbing Sorry. in the snowshoe. And mm. uh, it was a, uh, it, you know, it was a potato. <laughs> <laughs> it was a... It was a snowshoe and a potato. That's very good. Well, you just had to do what you had to do because back in those days, you know, if you broke your leg, they just cut the fucker off. That's right. Right? Right. Oh, they'd leave you there. They'd leave you there. Well, no, come on. Be serious. If you broke your leg back in Dan's day, you're right. They would cut it off, but then they would feed it to the rest of the children. Right. For some and fresh then, meat. And they'd go, and then and your dad would whittle you a stump or something. <laughs> That's right. For Dan's mm-hmm. 40th birthday, his pa whittled him a stump for his leg that had been broken. Yeah. That's what happened. Yeah. 
Those were the days. You know, I wonder if at this point in the show, people are going, when are they going to get to the Trump stuff? Because this is ridiculous. <laughs> I miss my dad. Oh, pa? Yeah. Pa and ma? <laughs> pa and ma, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, okay, I, I, uh, I'm going to do that. I'm going to wear some, uh, you know, running-type shoes to this thing. And by the way, it's Friday. Uh, tomorrow, as I mentioned, we're going to do our show uh, for the last time in San Miguel de Allende, which is where we've been now over three weeks. And um, it'll be kind of cool because it'll be the first time that we've, we've done an Aging with Energy show where we're both talking about the same place but actually doing the recording from the place that we're going to talk about. And I think it's going to be interesting for a couple of reasons, because Fred is about a 10-minute, 8-minute drive from me, and you've seen parts of the city that I haven't, and I've experienced parts of uh, the society here that you haven't, so it'll be kind of fun. Right. What, what parts of the society have you that I haven't? Well, what why don't you that? wait and find out on Aging with Energy, uh, the old oh, guys okay. travel show? No, that's interesting. No, I'm yeah. Now you've got my interest. Mm-hmm. Maybe you should bring a guest in. Have you got some sort of guest that you could bring in? That well, we've never actually had a guest on Aging with Energy, but uh, we could have. But she up and died. That's right. That's right. We could have had a guest. Oh, Howard's got the story of the. <laughs> oh man, gonna retell the story. No, no, no. It's, no. it's called, it's this, it, you know what? It's the tale of the crazy crystal. Oh. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's right. I've never told that story on the uh, on the show, have I? No. You should. Well, go to Aging for, uh, with Energy for that. Um, you, should so I that save it for you? Aging with Energy or should I save it until we get back? Well, I don't know, but it's a great story. Whoever has the crystal, beware. <laughs> <laughs> what? No, I think, dude, you know me. I think that's hilarious. But, know. Uh, you know, our friends, they're a bit more sensitive than we are. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, anyway, okay. I'm, uh, we're looking forward to that. And then tomorrow is our last day uh, until we come back to Toronto. And we'll start doing our Toronto shows again on the 3rd of April. Now, Dan Duran, uh, yes. you've been at the uh, sketchway there taking care of things on the home front. Yeah. What's your schedule? Will you be... Do you think you'll be in still in my house April 3rd doing some work around uh, the city? Uh, possibly wrapping things up around there. Yeah. Oh, that'll be fun. April, we'll do April that. 3rd is, is what day? Is it Tuesday? It's a Monday, Dan. It's a Monday? Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. I only ask because April 2nd, I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to need the house uh, for a family reunion. Okay. And uh, so you usually come back on Monday. I'm assuming you'll still be in Peterborough. Yeah, beautiful. So I, I probably will be. Yeah, but yeah. I, so okay. Well, I'll just make it a day or two after. Excellent. It's just work. cleaning up stuff I got to do on the. Okay. Is he not invited to the family? Uh, no, get no, no, he's not. Yeah. Oh, okay. I got it. Um, yeah. Hey, by the way, I got another. And by the way, uh, but you. Another... But the weird thing is, you are. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'll be there. I'll drive down the four twenty seven. Yeah. No, I think uh, I think the girls are coming over with their mother. And, uh, you know, all sorts of, uh, you know, we have to catch up. And as much as they all love and adore the Dan Duran, uh, it'll just be uh, the four of us. And Stan. That's sweet. Oh, Stan will be back. That'd Stan be- will be back by then. Yeah. Uh, as an update, but by the way, I will not be doing the show most likely on the 19th because I've got, a, uh, got another uh, gig. Are you in a movie? I'm in a uh, TV series. Can't talk about it. 
but yeah, I mean, I'm <laughs> well, this is great. This is a great. Well, no, I, can't, I can't talk. I can't talk about the uh, the actual show, the non disclosure agreements, and all the things you get mm. signed for these kinds of things now. <laughs> I thought they. Good. I thought they like to get the word out about new shows coming on. Like, what would well, that? Got to get permission for them from them to right. do that. <clears throat> Interesting. It's uh, it's a new season. I think it's uh, season three of this uh, particular sh- series. Hmm. So, really? Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, what's with it. this, too? I'm watching CBC the other day, and now there's a show called Son of a Critch. Like, what, what do they do? You know, Shit's Creek work well, so now we, we have to have a bunch of shows with old sayings with swear words in them. Son of a Critch. Isn't that? So, yeah, I, I, I saw that. But isn't that the guy's name, Critch? Yeah, I think well, it's of course Mark, it is. Mark, Mark Critch. Mark Critch. Is that his name? Uh, I think so. Yeah. I don't know who's watching it. If we were prepared, we could all have a whole list. (laughs) These are shows coming to CBC. (laughs) (laughs) If we were prepared is the funniest thing said there. Evelyn and Fred started Smell My Finger. That's right. (laughs) I see. It's funny. I was going to go way, way beyond that. Um <laughs> yeah, if you'd sort of given us a little notice on this premise, Fred, that we could have run <laughs> with it. Sorry, that's right. Smell yeah. my finger, though, is a good one. <laughs> yeah. uh, Humble and Fred Thursday night is who flung poo. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I noticed that the other day, and I thought it's you know, but that buys into the whole uh, traditionally with television. Something something hits right, and then they line up to copy it. That's the way she goes. I, I was going to say, I don't know who's watching these shows. Like, I uh, had the hockey game on. It was maybe last night or the, night, the last time we watched it. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I see these promos, Dan, for television shows that are at a specific time, and they all make me laugh. This Thursday on CTV, it's another bunch of young doctors uh, being anxious. And I'm like, all right, <laughs> fucking... <laughs> you, you, I'm sorry. Are you, are you inviting me to watch a show Thursday night at 10? How dare you? How dare you? <laughs> What do you think I am? Yeah, I'm, I don't work for CTV. A bunch of young doctors are anxious Thursday at 10. Not this guy. There's a lot of shows on television now that I have no idea. Any, uh, the, only, the only reason I know anything about them is because they're on bus boards or billboards. Or mm-hmm. right. No, no concept of whatever's going on <laughs> with uh, broadcast television right now. No uh, idea. No, I, I, yeah, I just, and personally, I still can't imagine <laughs> sitting there watching a show and then it stops down for commercials. Again, you get your head around that with live events because it's sort of built in to your psyche that yeah. that's what you have to do. But the other ones, although I guess a lot of people just start watching 10 minutes later or something and then roll through the commercials, but, how that works. Yeah, but I, I mean, the whole model seems so antiquated, but I was, oh, sort of, yeah. I, I was just laughing too. I don't know the name of the show because there's one on CTV transplant. There's another one where it's a young doctor. Like, I mean, remember in our day, there was a show with uh, what's his face, uh, Doogie Hauser, And he was like a, a teenager, or some 15, oh, 16 yeah. year old that became a doctor. <laughs> And now it's like, well, that guy wasn't young enough. So now it's like a nine-year-old who does surgery. Um, yeah, what's that called? The young doctor. The young doctor. That's what it's called. Yeah, and he he's a little bit off. He's a bit of a weirdo. Yeah. Oh, so it's I've not enough. That. It's not enough that he's like in his he's, he's bar mitzvahed, but he's a little bit weird. <laughs> the idea that well, during the NFL season, right? Every when CTV has the games, every commercial break. They have a promo for the young doctor. Right. Okay. I've never seen the show, but I know what it's all about. Um, okay. Switching gears quickly, Dan, before you go, because I know you're very busy. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, getting ready for your biannual celebration or whatever. <laughs> 200 years of Dan Duran. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Your actual birthday is the 27th, is it not? That is correct. Yeah, okay. Monday. But Thursday, tomorrow is our last day to celebrate Close you. Closer show, yeah. Closer yeah. show, yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Oh, I'm so happy you're going to be 65. Hmm. Why? Yeah. I don't know. I just think it's neat. Another no. one of my another one of my buddies pulled into you know official seniordom. I mean, right. it's good. Yeah. Are you going to supply oh, yeah. me a list of all the places I can get discounts now? Uh huh. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. Are you see, looking- Howard's not allowed to see that yet? Till <laughs> that's the secret list. I'm a couple <laughs> years away. List. Are you? Do you? What? What? what can you? Are you, Do you frame your first social security check or your whatever you get? Do you get any of that, or did you give it away? Did I give it away? No, not Why you, him. I like, oh, I don't know. I, I no, thought I, there were some options. Oh. You can get, you know, a CPP or some PP. <laughs> I haven't really worried about that so far. Well, it's only a week away, well, dude. You were spo- m- months ago, you were supposed to apply so that it would drop in hmm. the week after you turned 65. What's the matter with you? Oh. Money. <laughs> What's the matter with you? Oh, that's Jesus best. Christ. I, w- I was all over that. Man. Oh, sure. You, it's you, pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Once a month, all of it. For between me and Dahl. I mean, again, CPP in Canada is not, you know, it's not the, the greatest thing, but it's okay when every month all of a sudden you look and you go, oh, why is that money in my account? And the uh, government just drops her in there. Yeah, you're, cool. the, you're the opposite of Dan. Fred started applying for it when he got his driver's license. He was like, okay, do I fill out the form now? Do I fill out the form now? No, Fred. Do I fill out the form? So you, you haven't filled out the forms that will supply you free money in a week. Well, it's not free money. Let's make that clear. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh-huh. Money that... Uh, is could just be deposited into your account? I know I haven't. I didn't. I didn't really think because I haven't really been paying into it because I've been an you know, independent contractor for all these years. Oh, that part I understand. But don't you just get old age money here in this country? There's old age uh, uh, security, they call it, but that's only like seven thousand a year. All right. Well, it's still free. Oh no, I know. You're. Why not? Better than not taking it. Jesus. Well, and I'll have to look into it then. I just yeah, look into that. Assume that I didn't pay into it and I didn't think that, you know. If well, no, the CPP you probably won't get, but the other thing you'll get. Okay. Um, I did want to just uh, run a couple things by you guys. Um, this few weeks ago, we had uh, been talking about this survey about um, Canadians. Uh, remember, they changed the actual criteria for you know how much is a an actual drink do you remember this story yes yes and um you know the story came out that you know only supposed to have i think it was two drinks uh they they at, at one point it was 14 drinks a week and uh a recent national guideline said that more than two alcoholic drinks a week can increase risk of cancer stroke and heart disease so this is a story that we had talked about, I think. Yes? Yeah. Yeah, so, I do. I remember. <laughs> then I saw this headline a couple of days ago, and I'm like, yeah, that's Canada. The headline was, majority of Canadians won't change drinking habits in light of new guideline, says Paul. <laughs> I was like, no fucking kidding. What they, they think Canadians were just going to go, oh, okay, well, I'll stop drinking 
14 beers a day. So apparently most Canadians are like, nah, I don't care what science says. We'll just keep the uh, amount of drinking. Although it's interesting, the uh, age differentiator is that older Canadians think this is fear-mongering and lacks credibility. Whereas younger Canadians in the 18 to 34 uh, category uh, said that, yes, they have been consuming too much alcohol and noted its negative impact, whereas Canadians over five, over 55 years old were only 5% of Canadians that age went, yeah, this is probably too much for me. Only 5%? No, only 5% really? of 55-year-old and up said, yeah, I'm, my drinking is somewhat negative. Wow. I, I, I took note of that, and I've you know, decided to stop as much alcohol consumption that I have now that I'm turning uh, whatever I'm turning. So, <laughs> you know, down the road, you know, you got to, you got to, you know, getting there. I, I just don't want to be, uh, you know, encouraging uh, premature death. So if, you know, those, yeah. those are pretty serious diseases that I don't want. Yeah. Those are the big three, the big three yeah, cancer, yeah, stroke I, and heart disease. I paid like little or no attention to that because, you know, Next year, it might be something different. Uh, the way those things go. Where did it come from? Who said this? Who, what was this latest one? Was it from the... I'm sorry. What do you mean? Next year, it might be something different where... No, I mean, that you know, they've changed those uh, yeah. uh, drink things. You know, I'm just saying sometimes you get these health alarms and then it's like, wow, yeah, I got to watch that. And then the next year, it's like, oh, further study. So that well, this came from the Canadian Center on Substance, of, Substance Use and Addiction. Right. So what else are they going to say? Yeah. What, that drinking 14 beers a day is good for you? Um, oh, I'm well, saying more that like more than two a week. I mean, that's yeah, just two a week seems pretty low. Well, it's yeah, it's just unrealistic for a lot of people. So I'm just saying there would be people sort of in my category. It's like, well, yeah, some weeks I'm going to have more than two. Maybe some weeks I, I may not have any. You know what I mean? So it's I think it's those people that every day they drink. In more than a couple a day, yeah, you have to have a long, hard look at yeah. it. Yeah, 20% of Canadians believe they drink too much. And, and I think that's low because, you know, having been through this, you know, I think there's a, a large percentage of people that don't. Admit, well, they just don't think about it. Well, that's the problem. No, or they yeah. know they drink more than they admit. Yeah. Uh, but interestingly right. enough, 40% of people were surveyed have cut back. Uh, since the new year i've cut down a lot of people go through this dry february whatever dry january mm -hmm. yeah and like you 52 yeah. percent of canadians believe the new guidelines are fear-mongering tactics well those would be the people that probably drink too much and don't want to admit it so they think it's fear-mongering because you know you look inward and you think oh yeah i can either deal with it or reject it and i guess a lot of those people just reject it uh, I, wonder I, if your, I wonder if your strategy is to stop drinking for a month or whatever, if that's really a valid strategy. Like if you're if, if it's all incremental, you know, you're harming your health over a period of time. Wouldn't it have to be a longer period of time than a month? Yeah. Yeah, I think, like, you know, it's like anything else, right? It's got to become a habit. It's got to be it's got to be a lifestyle quitting for a month and then going back to what you did. What what's the point, really? Uh, what you have to do is 
just it's got to become a lifestyle like Howard quit it's his lifestyle yeah, I think Dan raises an you interesting know? point I think those yeah. are more symbolic gestures I think a yes. lot of people that do that mm-hmm I think people that do what you described, Dan, taking a month off every year, and I know I've talked to a lot of people, it seems to be kind of this thing that people will do now. I think it's more to reconfigure the idea that do, can I give this up for a month? It's more of that, I think. You know, I don't know what the health benefits, like certainly giving up drinking for a month isn't going to impact cancer, stroke, and heart disease in 30 days, but maybe mentally it's to the idea that I can give this up. I think I'd like yeah. a, va- a vein monitor. <laughs> what? Sorry, veins. what? A vein monitor. Like you, you guys got your, you know, your watches and stuff. Yeah. I like a little camera in my veins so I can no, see. Good if, point. You know, the plaques building up. You oh need, no, my plaques! I'm getting too much plaque. Of course, you need a, a bigger camera for that one vein of yours. <laughs> but it's um. It, I'll tell you. Here's me yesterday. I had a couple of beers in the afternoon. I had a mojito on a on a patio beforehand. I had uh, probably a couple of glasses of wine during dinner, and it was Buddy Doug's birthday, and we finished it off with um, a little, uh, you know, like Hennessy or a snifter. Yeah, so that that was a big, obviously a big drinking night for me. That's six units of alcohol, right? But I, the thing is, I can go several nights now with. Nothing. It's like, like, at what point does it grab you? And I know I'm not talking about this survey isn't alcoholism or anything. When do you get the twitch that I've got to have that again tonight? And there's people that live that. And well, how are you living? Have you had a day here since you've arrived in Mexico without having anything to drink? Yes. The day that you were not a lot, a lot, not a lot, because in the afternoon, well have a beer or two um but yeah a couple of days when i had a little bit of a bug and then another day where you just think "Ah, i've had enough i'm i don't feel like it today i i don't know the answer to your first question i think it's different for everyone you know like if if you're having six units of alcohol seven days a week you probably have more of an issue than well you have some issue but but i can tell you you but i but no but even but just the way you described it i know lots of people a couple in particular that that's there every day a couple beers because it seems so innocent a couple beers in the afternoon glass of scotch at dinner couple glasses of wine and maybe a little top up at the end that's that's a lot of people's every day so five times seven is 35 that's a lot of drinks in a week now two to me as a former drinker, that seems unrealistic and low. But what they're saying is that at two alcoholic drinks a week, you start to have an impact, maybe long term, on cancer, strokes, and heart disease. Yeah. But you also, I think, have to sort of mitigate it with, you know, you're a pretty healthy guy in your late 60s. Dan, you're close to 200 years old. I mean, look at you look great, uh, for your age yeah thank you let, let me put it this way and again let's be clear here two drinks a week not a day right is what we're talking i know it's ridiculous well i look at it this way i enjoy a beer i am not going to give up a couple of beers a week like i'm not going to bet against myself like oh i'm going to stop doing that in case i get uh, heart disease or lung or whatever cancer stroke heart disease cancer street you know what i mean it's like because you got to live. 
Yeah, exactly. And, and by one, the way, this is just one, a this is just a warning. Yeah. They're not saying you have no, to. They're just saying we're warning you that more than yes. two drinks a week can increase. So it's a it's mm-hmm. it's a bit muddy. And I, you know, I'm drinking that when I'm at home. The only thing in my fridge now is Molson Ultra, which is like two point five percent alcohol. So it's like I'm if I have one of those a day, that's like. I've cut my beer consumption in half or my alcohol consumption in half because regular beer is 5%. You know what I mean? I do know what you mean. So it's not like I'm going to have two of those now. It's like I'm still might just at 4 o'clock sitting out front have a beer, but now it's 2.5 instead of 5. That can hurt. (sighs) Well, listen, man. I'm the one who's picked up the Mexican parasite, and uh, Mm -hmm. you know maybe some alcohol would have destroyed it. Oh. Is it like a tapeworm, you think? I don't know, man. Uh, I've been, uh, it's been a rough ride here at the uh, old uh, San Miguel. Well, here, drop your doors, bend over. When it sticks its head out, I'll whack it. (laughs) Is that the game, Paddleton? (laughs) So, there it is. (laughs) There it is. And be like, hey, Fred, boom, Paddleton. I will Paddleton your ass. Yeah, how'd you get rid of that? We'll get that that bastard. How did you? How did you get rid of the parasite, Fred? Fred Paddleton did. Uh-huh. Fucking Fred's an expert. Um, all right. Well, this has been fantastic, Dan. Tomorrow, uh, a celebration of Dan Duran. Oh, that'll be nice. Thank and uh, it'll be it'll be real soon. It's not going to be much different than today. Yeah, where we celebrate you every day. Mm-hmm. And nice um, you and. Uh... Yeah, you can enjoy your uh, enjoy your golf game today, Howard. Yeah, I'm going to listen. Even though I've got a parasite, I'm going to golf right through it. I don't care. Well, of course you would, yeah. Of course, my is there, friend. Is there, a, is there a, a station on your golf cart there that you can just sort of... Have a little poopy? Well, they do have yeah. a cooler, but more, you know, for like ice and drinks and everything. I guess I could use that. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> all right, Dan Duran, uh, maybe send me a little extra if you want. I, I can always use yesterday's. Uh, we look forward to uh, tomorrow, of course, our email day. If you've got some uh, stuff you want to get off your uh, mind about the program, Humble and Fred at humbleandfred.com. I uh, saw something on Facebook, speaking of beer, somebody had sent a, a note to us, but me in particular, about my favorite non-alcoholic beer. Maybe we'll discuss some of ours again. In the meantime, Fred, let's discuss this. Hey, whether you're a sports better, a horse racing fan, a poker casino player, Bodog, your number one source of online gambling entertainment from their industry-leading odds, world-class sports book and feature-rich poker room to their fully loaded casino and race book, they've been providing Canadian players with an unparalleled gaming experience since 1994. Raptors in action tonight against the Indiana Pacers. Oh yeah, Raps, the favorite, minus 335 on that one. All right, so there you go, Bodog, your uh, source of the... Gambling entertainment. A lot of talk uh, on this program the last few months about evnet.ca and the experience of getting to rent an electric vehicle before you buy it. I think by now most people realize, hey, I want to make the switch, but I might have to wait up to a year or more for a new one. But almost uh, universally, people are uh, applauding this idea, this concept at evnet.ca, where you can check out a Bolt, a Kona, an Outlander, a Nissan Leaf, or the Tesla Model 3. What people do at evnet is they educate the client about expectations and compare various models. And what you can do is you can get into one of these cars for 24 hours. 
You can't do that. Even when you test drive a car you're going to buy, that doesn't happen. You could take this car away for the weekend going up north uh, and experience what driving an electric vehicle is all about and then make a decision. They make it really easy for you is what I'm trying to say. Uh, EVNet.ca. You can uh, also go to RentElectric.ca. There you go. Let me see if uh, Noel's here. No, Noel. Um, yeah. Here's a piece of the so, culture that I'm... Ex- go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I was going to say, I, you asked me, what, what's some of the culture that I've experienced that you haven't? Right. Oh, okay, yes. And I thought of something. Mm-hmm. For instance, I'm, I've been getting my, my laundry done because the washer-dryer thing here doesn't fucking work mm-hmm. very well. And um, so for weeks now, I've been going to this neighborhood near you and, uh, you know... Whereas Noel just went away here. And uh, in, completely in Spanish, <laughs> getting my laundry done for $6. And, you know, just kind of a, it's a fun, it's not a big deal, but it's kind of a fun little thing. I go in there, practice my stupid Spanish, and uh, the mm-hmm. woman knows me now. And I just drop it off, and she's done the next day. And it's like, <laughs> it's 100 pesos. But wow. it's kind of neat to do that. Again, it's not a big deal, but it's kind of fun to be sort of mm-hmm. in, you know, out, out, out of the tourist area and just kind of like experiencing that. It. Yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah, well, that's great. Listen, man, you've gone to way more cool restaurants than I have. Yeah, I think today we're going on a walking tour, too. You go downtown mm. to Centro, and there's a place where, you know, a local will walk you around town. It's fantastic. Explain and describe some of the history. And the uh, stories behind this uh, town that for the sixth year in a row was named the world's greatest small city. Fantastic. And I want you to do mm. this. Take some notes and then, uh, you know, for our aging with energy, we can talk okay. about it. I'm, I'm actually going on a walking tour of uh, a golf course today, which will be very cool. Um, welcome back to our program. Man, it's been exciting uh, getting to know this fella. The... Uh, the man on the inside, of, on, on so many levels, uh, for you people that are new, uh, we met him because I, I saw his Twitter feed and it mentioned that he had been a producer on The Celebrity Apprentice, and I went, well, that guy's been around Donald Trump. Believe me, he has. Please welcome back Noel Kassler, everybody. Hey, guys. Great to see you. We're the men in black this morning. That's right. All right. Yeah, look at that. Um, I want to get to Trump and all that stuff uh, in a minute or two, but what's become a bit of a tradition when you make an appearance is something will happen on the show. Like, we'll name a, a person or I'll ask you about some award show and you'll go, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I worked with him. The other day, Freddie and I were talking about this U2, uh, David Letterman, uh, U2, a sort of homecoming movie that's on Disney Plus right now. Um, and the question is, I'm not sure if you're aware of it, but I thought, I wonder if Noel has a Bono U2 story for us. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, I've worked with them a lot. They're in my act. You know, I love U2. I love Bono. I worked with Bono and The Edge when they had the Spider-Man musical, and they came to the Tonys and performed. I did Glastonbury with them at the big pyramid stage. I was there right after. But the best thing with Bono is at Barack Obama's first inauguration, right? U2 is playing. We did this big concert on the mall the Sunday before Obama was inaugurated. 
inaugurated and U2 was playing, you know, President elect Obama's there with his family. There's two million people lined up on the mall. And I'm like, this is crazy. Like, and I had, I was standing next to all these big shots. Uh, you know, the lady from Basic Instinct was next to me. What's her name? I can't think of Sharon it. Sharon Stone. Know? Aaron Stone, you know, I'm like, this is crazy. I got to step away for a minute. So I step away onto the steps of Lincoln Memorial and I'm just trying to catch my breath. And I see my friend Danny Clinch come by, who's a very famous rock photographer. He photographs, you know, everybody. He sees me and he takes my picture and I give him the peace sign. Right. And then he starts to jiggle the camera around. And I'm like, what happened? He goes, dude, when you gave the peace sign, Bono came over behind you, (laughs) gave it out to the crowd of like two million people. And I'm like, no way, dude. So that is my ultimate Bono story. You know, that's crazy. I I, I somehow suspected you would have been around them at least some point in your career. Yeah. Bono's kids went to school across the street from me in New York. Like he's he's. He would I would see him at tons of smaller events, too. You know, Bono's a very cool guy. If I could like this. And so is The Edge. They all are. Larry Mullen. Me. I had to make Larry Mullen wait on the VMAs. We did a VMAs in like 2001 and I was working with Michael Jackson and like Michael Jackson and his people made me lock down the entire hallway. So I couldn't let anybody walk by. Right. When when Michael was walking the stage and I had to hold Larry Mullen in this stairwell and he and I are just standing there and I'm trying to make small talk. And finally, Michael Jackson walks by and he turns to me, and goes, mate, is that the reason you wouldn't let me get to my dressing room? And I was like, yep. he's like, you know, he just starts cursing. He's like, we would never pull that BS, you know, but I'll shut up. But when I did that. Uh, Beacon Theater thing with Bono and the Edge, you know, they were chilling, drinking, you know, tequila in their dressing room, just like having a good night of it. I kind of stay back, you know, because my job is sort of to be there and not be there. It's not to be like, hey, remember on the Unforgettable Fire? And like, you know, you got a job to do and they respect you being professional. So I was kind of like they have a great team, too, by the way, you know, so you just kind of stand back and let them do their thing. But at the end of the night, I put Bono in his in his car and he's pulling away from the Beacon Theater. And I was like, oh, it would have been nice to say goodbye. And all of a sudden, the the SUV stops. He rolls down the window and he goes, thanks, dude. Uh-huh. And I was just like, oh, what a cool guy. You know, yeah, he I'm remembered, kidding. like, let me yeah, thank yeah. the help, you know. Well, you get the impression from him and the edge, even through this David Letterman thing, that, you know, the rock and roll world can be pretty uh, vicious and, you know, um, you know, drugs, sex, all that shit. Um uh, stayed pretty grounded through all those years. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, you know, like Dave Grohl and even the Rolling Stones to some uh, degree, you know, to a great degree. People have yeah. the wrong idea about the Stones. Keith lives yeah. not far from me. He's a country gentleman. Like mm-hmm. those guys are, you know, yes. Dave Grohl, I've known since before Nirvana. He's never changed, you know. But I think the Rolling Stones, you know, obviously, when, you know, Keith went through that period in the 70s. But, you know, they've sort of aged well. As has yeah. the Foo Fighters. And I, I don't know, I didn't ask Fred this, but watching that special the other night, I feel like you too has aged well. Like, I, at one point, I, I don't know if you guys or you thought this too, Freddie, but Bono's voice was still pretty good for a guy in his late 60s. It, he wasn't struggling to hit those notes. No. No, yeah, it's just, I, I just loved every minute of that uh of that special. And again, like Darren did, I'll watch it again. I really will. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Well, I can't wait to see it. I haven't you, seen it. Noel, you'd love it. It's uh, it's hosted by Letterman. It's, it's it's a it's one of my favorite things I've seen Letterman do in a while. Because I I mean I, I liked. Uh, you know, my next guest doesn't need an introduction or whatever. It was okay, but this is vintage Dave fucking around with people on the streets in Dublin, kidding around. It's fantastic. That's especially great. at the especially at the end. I won't give it away yeah, for those yeah. that haven't seen it, but what he does at the <laughs> end is like, I wouldn't do that. No oh, way. Awesome. And, and, by the way, at yeah. age 75. At age, exactly, at age 75. But isn't it interesting, Bono... Or, I mean, Obama has U2 at his inauguration, and he still couldn't draw the crowd that Trump did. I know. Exactly. Isn't that amazing? Right. U2, Springsteen, James Taylor, Garth Brooks, Beyonce, and we still flamed out. That's right. Still. (laughs) But somehow, a dude in a diaper and three doors down packed in the biggest crowd in history. Hard to believe. Yeah. And yeah, Jesus. Don't forget, Trump had Jesus at that inauguration. <laughs> all right. Well, there's the segue we've all been waiting for. Uh, we're talking to Noel Kassler. If you don't know, he's not only a former producer of live events, worked on lots of television shows for the last few years. And when I say he's an insider, I mean, the guy's been in the White House. He's been blogging about Trump. He's got a lot of credibility as a, a comedian, a podcaster now. And uh, one of my favorite things that he does is Noel's notes uh, and uh, on Substack and his car rants. Find out more at noelcastler.com. So where do you want to begin, guys? Uh, indictments. Uh, you know what, Noel? What's, what, what, what's your opinion of what's going to be going down here any day now? Oh, okay. well, that's a great question. And let me just add, David Letterman lives in my town, too. He lives about two miles away Of course he does. And he's like, a, you know, my what? town's a very rural horse farm, so he lives even more in the sticks than I do. Well, Noel, you live in Connecticut, right? <laughs> on the border of Connecticut. Okay. And New York. In New York, right? In New York, on the New York side, but literally I can see Connecticut. It's the northeast corner. It's a bunch of rolling hills and horse farms where, right. where like, I'm not rich, but there's a lot of billionaires in the town because you can be chill up here. Right. You know, right. It's just like a dirt driveway and a house you can't see from the road kind oh. of deal. So Dave still has a place there. Do he spends time there? Do you ever see him? Oh, he like lives this? here. This is his home. Like this oh, is. Oh, I, th- I thought yeah, he went here all the time. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, you he thought he went up to Montana or something? All the time when I first moved up here. His head writer is one of my best friends. I I just saw him last night. So. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. Fred was trying to say uh, you thought he moved up to Montana or something, right? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. He That's has right. a place there. I don't think he spends mm-hmm. as much time there these days. I mm-hmm. shouldn't tell his whole personal stuff, but like the road he lives on is, is kind of close to me. And twice a year, a big car carrier will come and like switch out cars. You know, mm-hmm. when you got it like that, like a semi, just like, here's my spring line. You oh, know, Jesus. Yeah. Uh, that, that guy that you're talking about is, uh, is it I Robert? Bill Sheft. Bill Sheft. Yeah. Love Bill Sheff. I used to watch him do stand-up when I lived in California. He still has the cigar, or has he given that up? He does, and he gave up the cigars. But, yeah, legend from Catch a Rising oh, yeah. Star. And, you know, yeah, he was somebody I looked there. up to. Okay, yeah. let's, uh, let's talk about, you know, even Canadians who aren't as involved in American politics as Fred and I are certainly aware that there's some history perhaps about to be made, and the right in America is losing its mind. 
Well said. You know, I, I think whatever plays out, we've clearly crossed a line, right? That veil of impenetrability or whatever the word is that Trump always had, like the Teflon Don thing is crumbling, you know, and he's trying to put on a brave face. There, there was an article in The New York Times about how he's just trying to like, it's not a big deal. I'm going to make it a campaign event. It's a big deal. OK, nobody's lived in more self-centered fear than Donald Trump his whole life. Right. He knows he's a crook more than anybody else. Right. And he knows the walls are crumbling. We've seen this legal team he has. You know, there's like, you know, Joey Walnut face or whatever, like threatening <laughs> war if he gets indicted. You know, it's like you would you would send them away from a Sopranos audition as being too on the nose as mob lawyers. Right. So. Uh, you know, I, I think the Manhattan case could even come today. I, I really have a feeling it might come today. I could be wrong. But, you know, that's sort of the opening salvo, like in a fireworks ceremony. That's mm-hmm. just the little thing that goes a little bit in the sky. I think when the federal case and the Georgia case breaks, the wheels are going to come off of of the sort of MAGA Trump organization and the hold he has over that. I don't know how that plays out, but it, it, it's it's heading down a different path. On that note, do you think this is the wrong order? This is what I've heard. Yes. The New York one first, and then the other ones, you know, more magnitude. I mean, Georgia and, uh, you know, January 6th. Do you think it's the right strategy? Because yeah. I heard it said maybe they should have all got together and thought, okay, what is the best order for this thing, these things to unfold? What do you think about that? I you agree think- with you, Fred. I think it's absolutely yeah. the wrong order. I think Merrick okay. Garland has like dropped the ball and failed to read the room for over two years in this country. We need okay. to real justice. Okay. The guy tried mm-hmm. to throw you know a, a free and fair election you know he got police officers killed on january 6th yeah. like that's what you arrest a guy for not having sex with an adult film actress and, and using a mob lawyer to pay her off and then lying about it yeah that's a crime but you yeah know. you know what no again i i saw that article that fred's quoting and it's not i i, I think what wasn't the point of that though fred that they didn't get together that it's it's just the mm-hmm. the the wheel that the justice of the da in new york isn't taking it it's, it's one is federal one is state that's the point i'm trying to make yeah. it just it just lends itself to that argument by the right that they're so anxious to get this guy on anything that um you know it's a mad you know it's a mad rush to who can get him first and again at the end of the day it sort of leaves the wrong impression or Again, the wrong depth of what's important here. Well, well, can I just say, I think the other danger is it wears people out before you get to the big stuff, right? It's like filling up, you know, on bread rolls before you get the turkey on the table, you know? Maybe, but what what I was going to comment on is something I read this morning about. The thing is, you know, we all remember that legendary thing that Trump said years ago, I could shoot somebody on Fifth Avenue and it wouldn't do anything to my base. I don't know. And I'm going to ask both you guys, like, it doesn't matter the order because the people that are going to support him, I'm going to read you something in a second, but the people that support him and the MAGA right wing uh, of, the, right. of the right wing, they're not, it's not going to impact them. It's true. Yeah, well, that part is true. I mean, that I don't know how to answer. I guess my only hope in that point was that if there were some people that could be pulled away from him, you know, those people may right. be to tune out by the time Georgia and, you know, whenever Jack Smith and, and Merrick Garland decide to hold him accountable. Well, look what happened yesterday. 
what is uh, Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg, who's going to bring this indictment forward. They thought it may happen yesterday. There were more pro-nail Trump than anti-nail Trump people in front of his office yesterday. Really? There, there was more people supporting the indictment than protesting against it, which was a real telltale. It, 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 it lends itself to what uh, Noel said about it's all starting to crumble. Well, that's interesting. You would expect that would be completely different. And, and, and you know, it gives me to, to this little segue here. What I can't get my head around, and this is kind of, again, d- deeper inside the Republican Party. Republican Senator Rand Paul called for the arrest of Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg. Specifically, he said, a Trump indictment would be a disgusting abuse of power. The DA should be put in jail. The funny thing is they never want to address the cause of the indictment. They just want to put the guy in jail for what exactly? The same way that Jim Jordan now wants to investigate the January 6th committee. Forget the fact that he didn't respond to a subpoena. It's, it's all so convoluted now. Absolutely. And these are the same people that chanted lock her up for two years. (laughs) They had no problem throwing Hillary Clinton in jail. They want to throw Dr. Fauci in jail for practicing science in a global pandemic. But, you know, you're right. Like Jim Jordan and James Comer are holed up in a war room at Disney World right now, literally down in Florida, trying to figure out how to call the Manhattan D.A. in front of Congress, you know, to excoriate them for doing their job. Well, how do you can you explain that to us? Because I honestly I, I don't understand how Congress would have the power and the, forget the charge. How could they actually bring a D.A. in front of them? I don't believe they could. I'm not any legal expert, but that same person, Jim Jordan, refused to testify before the January 6th committee. So he ignored a subpoena, which set precedent. Right. So you would assume that there's a legal case for actual lawyers to say, hey, you made the precedent. I ain't showing up, buddy. It's a witch hunt. Mm -hmm. You know, that's what the Democrats should do is just start throwing everything back in their face. It's a witch hunt. It's blah, blah, blah. You know, you know, I, I was saying to Howard yesterday or the day before or whenever, it's like this latest, you know, version of Trumpism, uh, it, you almost have to detach yourself from it on some level because it's so frustrating. I mean, every angle is frustrating for a logically or uh, somebody, uh, you know, thinks logically right down to these disgusting little jellyfish men around him like you know lindsey graham and you mentioned jim jordan and even kevin mccarthy kevin mccarthy yeah all these sycophants to trump were they you know i say how do they look their kids in the face how do they conduct themselves like that in washington and then look your kid in the face if your kid has any idea or is of an age where they can follow what's going on it's just what type of human beings are these when it's so blatantly obvious that they're sycophants to, as you say, a criminal, a crook, a con man. And then uh, they know no bounds on supporting this guy when it's not when it's not good for the country. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and he's such an you know, he's such an immoral guy. Right. Even the issue in New York, you know, he's sleeping with an adult film actress after his wife had just given birth, his third wife. You know, he's got a litany of sexual predation his whole life. Like to, to, to die on this hill, you know, and to watch the sort of democratic process, uh, you know, crumble in front of your eyes. It, it, it's very maddening as a citizen because it doesn't, you know, even when Trump is gone, I feel like he's fractured this country in a way that doesn't heal. Any I agree. Soon. 
I agree. And, and you know, the whole whataboutism stuff can become tedious, but can you imagine what, you know, this this Bible-thumping right, how they would be reacting, say, if Joe Biden or Barack Obama yeah, had exactly. had this deal with a porn star? <laughs> And, and I mean, back serious. And back to your point about the order of things. First, this why bring yeah. this up first when there's this Georgia grand jury convening, and then there's the January sixth thing. Mm. You know, I've I've also read this, and I'm sure you two have. It's the Al Capone syndrome. You know, the thing that ultimately brought you know one of the worst mm. criminals in U.S. history down was a tax tax fraud problem. I don't know that exactly, but it was a tax issue. So this little, seemingly little thing. This paying off a porn star and then trying to cover it up. Remember, that happened two weeks before he was elected. Think about if that had come to light. You know, maybe he wouldn't get elected. And and finally, the final thing I'll say is I said this to Freddie yesterday. You know who's just looking, you know, better and better through all of this? The locker up woman. The the email lady. You know, think about that. How she's just been sort of like the, like I said to Freddie, it's the ultimate I told you so. Absolutely. You know, and, and to your point, which is an excellent one, Howard, I, I used to have a joke like about the Al Capone thing and they got him on his taxes. And I was like, why not get him on the St. Valentine's Day massacre? <laughs> That's right. And what about <laughs> that? Right. That's How about really the lining funny. people up against the wall and murdering them? You know <laughs> what I mean? Trump has attacked friends of mine when they were teenagers. You know, I know women that were assaulted by him in Epstein's townhouse. Like, it's not a secret, the kind of stuff he did for a long time in New York City. Get him for that. Get him for laundering money. That's a good for point. Poop, you know, like, <laughs> can, mm-hmm. yeah, why not for all the murders? But he had a tax problem. Right. Exactly. So but, you know, and that's the thing. And and I'll just say this. I was down in Florida all last week. And while this is going on, while Trump is still providing this sort of distraction and sucking the air out of the national dialogue, you have climate change issues. You have a guy like Ron DeSantis who's just filling his pocket, you know, with with donor contributions down in Florida. And his wife is keeping all this money that was sent to Hurricane Ian aid. Like it's horrible down there. It's like criminals are getting rich and fat and the rest of the people are suffering and being brainwashed and it's turning into something i don't even recognize Mm -hmm. and there's no opposition to it either there's not people out protesting or any of that which is another issue i'm trying to sort of write about and wrap my brain around why there aren't you know there's so much anti-semitism when i was in florida they were projecting holocaust swastikas swastikas rather on the sides of buildings that was a news story like they did it in tampa or something Mm -hmm. i was like how is this happening how are we not walking out of this hotel right now and heading to tallahassee and like taking this dude out for condoning anti-semitism and he'll he refuses to even address it uh no as a young american who loves his country uh when did it start to go off the rails i was talking about this the other day it used to be in the United States, election would be held uh, once the election was determined. If it was a uh, Republican um, a president, Congress worked together. It was OK. They won. Now, Democrats and Republicans were working together for the betterment of the country. Right. When did that fall apart? Was it through? Was it Obama? Was it that recent where it was like this black man has been elected and we can never let this happen again? 
and then it fell apart there? Or was it prior to that even? Newt Gingrich sort of laid the groundwork for the Tea Mm -hmm. Party that kind of blossomed post Obama, where they started Mm -hmm. going to city council meetings and disrupting it. You know, that that's when Ted Cruz and Jim Jordan and all these kind of really nefarious. I just want to be a disruptor and a chaos agent. I'm not Mm -hmm. even going to pretend to legislate. So that's the beginning of the sort of modern era that coalesced under Obama and that Trump exploited. Big picture behind the scenes, you can make an argument, you know, 1968, Henry Kissinger thwarted the Paris peace deal. It's known as the Chinoa affair, right? Where they were going to, the U.S. was going to pull out of Vietnam in 1968. And Kissinger realized Nixon wouldn't get elected if that happened. So they scuttled that. You had another 25,000 Americans get killed in a war that was pointless at that point. We signed the same deal in 1973 that we didn't sign Mm -hmm. and scuttled in 68. Then you just had an article in the New York Times the other day where Jimmy Carter, you know, behind the scenes, John Connolly and Ben Barnes, a couple of Texas politicians, went to the Mideast and said to Iran, look, don't release those hostages now. Wait until Reagan gets elected. You'll get a better deal. So they thwarted, you know, Carter would have maybe gotten reelected had he freed the hostages in October. Right. Instead, they freed them a half an hour after Reagan was sworn in. And that's now fact that had always been behind the scenes talk in D.C. It's now a fact. The guy admitted it. So. You know, that's, you know, that's a stolen election, yeah. you know, the first one or two, essentially. And then you got George W. Bush, which was a really janky election, you know, where the Supreme Court decided he was going to be president. And, you know, they've never played fair on the right. And hopefully people are getting wise to that. But I think what, I, and, and I, I love all that, that you have that historical perspective, because I think it's a great answer to Fred's question, which is that, and I, you know, that Shakespeare quote, "'Twas ever thus. It's been like this all along. It's just maybe never been this right. overt. That would be the first mm-hmm. point because of social media, because of access 24 seven. But I would take you back to 19, I think it was 1986. Think about what we're talking about now. You got a guy who is accused of, of signing a fu- some fuckery with a porn star and paying her off so that no one heard about it. Remember, I think it was 86 was Gary Hart. Yeah. Gary Hart was going to be president until a photographer took a picture of him on the uh, monkey business was the name of the yacht with his then mistress. Can't remember her name. Don something. It was like, but th- th- Fawn, Fawn Hall. Yeah, but Fawn think Hall. about what that did. That that ruined his chances of being president. This guy. So my, I guess my point is, think about where we've come in those 30 or 40 years where this guy said, grab him by the pussy and still got elected. Absolutely. And, and, and strangely, I still think part of me worries that he could go through all of this and still be the presumptive candidate. I think you're absolutely right. And I hadn't felt that way. And and I was wrong. I probably said on this show that he was done running for president. I think he's very serious about it now. And I think he probably does have a good shot at being the I think he probably he right now he is the Republican nominee. Right. Well, wasn't there a guy? Was it 2008 or like a Democrat, too, that had to bow out because John Edwards, John John Edwards, same thing, John Edwards, John Edwards. Right. And that's recent history. And he He got arrested for it. John Edwards, you know, got in trouble. And we have this big orange buffoon with this like he just he can't die. Like it's something. (laughs) And and the other guys, you know, like like a lizard. Right. You know, 
Trump was doing stuff, you know, some of my revelations, like he was doing this stuff in public. Okay, the timeline on that Access Hollywood thing, that's how he spoke behind the scenes. That's how he talked on the, you know, Mm -hmm. on the beauty pageants. He would walk. If we were in a room, he'd walk in there and be like, hey, look at it. You know, I I don't want to go. Say it. Say it. Dude, we're adults. (laughs) You know what I mean? What are you doing? So that payment to Stormy Daniels came two days after the Access Hollywood tape because they knew he was in trouble. And that's also when Mark Burnett sent word through my industry that if anybody speaks out, he was going to sue him because they knew he was vulnerable. And that's when I broke my NDA and was like, well, screw you. I'm telling him everything I know. You know, Mm -hmm. I think you make a great point, Freddie. It's almost like, you know, the the John Ed we're saying I'd forgotten about Gary Hart was a Democrat something about the Democrats um, and listen we could talk about yes they always push back on Clinton and you know possibly killing some people but the, the Democrats just don't seem to ha- they seem to have something called shame the Republicans don't seem to have that they just no matter what Trump does it's never Trump's fault and and the people and you described them as sycophants the people that continue to support him even though in private like Tucker Carlson despise the guy tell me why they still find some use in support well because he he's a figurehead for what they want to do behind the scenes they're still getting their tax cuts right big big oil and big corporations still get to do what they want they're still deregulating the banking system they're still following reagan's playbook which is basically punish the poor and give tax breaks to the rich and do it by sort of pushing the buttons of white rural and suburban resentment okay the the maga you know house or you know republican house whatever you call them they introduced a bill the other day you know a budget rather all it does is go after like child care health care free lunch you know welfare medicaid they're just like trying to like dismantle the social security net and give a bunch of money to the rich and for some reason that has always been very popular in reactionary politics Going back to Reagan, because they tie it in with gun ownership. They tie it in with abortion. They tie it in with these hot button issues that these brainwashed Americans that just eat fucking junk food all the time and don't (laughs) know what the hell's going on. Lap it up with a spoon. You know what I mean? Mobs with mullets, I call them down in Florida. These ladies that show up at, you know, school board meetings thinking you're indoctrinating their kids. Like, what are you talking about? You know what I mean? Your kids will be lucky if they don't end up on a pole someday. You're growing up in Florida, you know, that's funny, man. Well, I'm, you know, their clientele is American simpletons. It's just like we've said about Fox News. It's for people that can't. And on any level, scratch below the surface. They're just sucked in by headlines and hysteria, and they just buy in because it, it gets them whipped up and fueled up. And it's just, yeah, again, it's so frustrating. You know, uh, we were talking about this yesterday, you know, the, the list of the happiest countries in the world. Well, the first handful are sort of socialist-leaning countries. I mean, Scandinavian I, countries, not, yeah. Scandinavian, you know, and I'm not a big um, advocate of, you know, socialism but isn't it funny the, the even canada we're like 13 and i think the united states was way down the list or something but you know societies that sort of look after each other and you know just are you willing to just give a little bit of what you have to make it better for your fellow man is what makes countries good and happy and solid and the united states is just running away from that mm-hmm. right? it's it's so sad to see 
Can I say one thing and I'll shut up because I know I've been like mm-hmm. ranting the whole you show. Never, dude, you are you're right. in a this is a safe Thank space, Thank Noel. This, the, yeah, this is a safe space, Thank my you. friend. The re, I just such a great point that Fred made. The reason for mm-hmm. that is like, you know, if you take care of everybody, it's a lot easier to be happy in, in, in your individual life. Right. If I live in New York City and I'm heading out to see a concert, I'm going to U2 at the garden and I walk out of my apartment, and I see 10 people living on the sidewalk that hampers my mood. Right. Yes. It's harder to be in a good mood and happy because I'm like, that guy is suffering and he's a human being and he shouldn't have to. And Americans have become numb to walking past that. Whereas other refined countries, and I've traveled all over Europe, they're like, I ain't dealing with that. I don't want to see a guy sleeping in front of my building, you know, but Americans accept that, you know. Yeah, but it's also part of the culture. And, and listen, man, we're way more versus America. We're living in a socialist country. You know, all, all, all the tenets of socialism are here, starting with universal health care. And I've lived in the States and I've been to, you know, medical facilities. Uh, and it's it's not the same for rich and poor. Uh, but listen, let's wrap this up because we got to get going you're uh you, you were another incredible appearance i want everyone to know that uh, noel's uh available on twitter i follow him you should too his podcast is called oh noel castler podcast sorry i was focusing on our black we look like roadies for like <laughs> that's right we're all well, that's what howard ever since i grew my hair a little longer that's what howard calls me that's right I, he, yeah. I, I, a roadie I, no I, I said freddie looked like a roadie for an almond brothers tribute band <laughs> Uh, all right, my friend. Listen, uh, it will be uh, with interest that we watch the next couple of days. And whenever anything happens, I always think of you and uh, how lucky we are and how grateful we are on this program to have access to you, man. Thank you, guys. It's always a blast. Have good. Be well. I'll see you next time. Peace, okay, my man. American friend. There you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got some uh, business to take care of here, Friedrich. Yeah, Chambers of Commerce Group Insurance Plan, Canada's number one uh, group insurance plan for small business. Uh, We're talking uh, dental, we're talking prescriptions, we're talking all sorts of therapies, a uh, human uh, resources department that you can tap into if you need. Mental health, huge since uh, COVID. A lot of people dealing, struggling with things. Uh, They know that at the Chamber Plan and they've looked after it. So... Go to chamberplan.ca today, get a free quote, find out what it will cost you to be part of this. It's a great gesture, a great thing to do for your employees. If you have a small company that's always dreamt of having a benefits package, it is possible. Uh, Chamberplan.ca. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, global politics going on as well. I know if you saw in the news, the uh, president of China... Visiting uh, Russia. You're aware of that, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. I saw. Yeah. There, pardon me? He said he wants to broker the uh, yeah, peace yeah. deal between well, Russia and. <laughs> of course, it, it that involves big chunks of. Uh, Ukraine going back to Russia. So it's yeah, I mean, but bullshit. it is all bullshit. But uh, mm-hmm. there was a, a piece of this story I found interesting. I thought you might as well. I don't know if you saw this, but uh, and, and again, I apologize. I don't have his name in front of me. What do you know on the president of China's name? Isn't it XI or something? Oh, that's Jesus. true. Jesus Christ, man. Get some letters. Anyway, it's, that's right. President. <laughs> president. Yee. Okay, so anyways, President... Come on, ye! President, come on, ye! ye. Um, I saw this video yesterday of 
uh, one of those Suburbans they all use, the security Suburbans, and it was delivering bags and bags and bags of KFC to the president for him and his team. Oh, really? <laughs> and I thought, here's the thing. I thought, well, number one, we know he's a man of the people. And number two, he's going to have the shits. Didn't we have a story a few years ago that like on Christmas Day in China, a tradition is to have KFC? Maybe. There was some story. Like you know, if Phil were still here and he was allowed to talk about this, he could tell us. Right. I just all I thought was the president of China is about to have some shitties. Did you see that stuff the other day too? Putin went into Ukraine the day after he was charged by the international, the ICC yeah, or whatever with uh, international war crime. Yeah. He goes into Ukraine and they pick a building that hasn't been bombed and he stands in front of like, you know, a kid's playground that hasn't been destroyed. And then he goes in and he knocks on doors and the doors open and you see apartments with food on the table and all this nonsense. Mm -hmm. And then he goes downstairs and there's people like bowing down to him and touching their heart. Ukrainians, you know, it's all staged. Oh yeah. Just so underhanded and disgusting. And yeah. Again, you get so frustrated through this stuff. Again, you can't you can't help it, but you got to resist it because that's the, you know it's just that's the way these people operate. Yeah. If you were, but if you're a Russian citizen, you know, at, yeah. at some level of economic whatever, and that's your mm-hmm. president, and all you've been fed for over your whole lifetime, and particularly the last year and mm-hmm. a bit. Is this propaganda? Well, that's what it was. I mean, I, 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 I'm, I'm, I don't like to make the always make the Hitler Third Reich yeah. metaphor, but it's that's what it was. How yeah. else do you explain brainwashing an entire population into thinking yeah. this was a great idea? Like, and and what I find fascinating about the Putin angle is how he thinks. I guess he doesn't care what the West thinks. All he's doing is playing for the folk at home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll say something, too, and it never came up because it happened when I was in Dominican and then we were off. And then, you know, the whole Alex Ovechkin thing that rubs me the wrong way. And, and, and I know he might fear for his family and all that bullshit, but he hasn't denounced the war or Putin, you know, and he rallied to have Putin reelected during the all star game. All these children are being murdered in Ukraine. And during the All-Star game, Alex Ovechkin thought it was a good idea to come out on the ice with his eight-year-old son and skate around together. Mm -hmm. And that just fucking pissed me off. It just did. Because, I, you know, all those kids are more, you know, and, and, you know, he's a Putineer and he helped get him elected and he hasn't denounced it. And all those kids are dying. I, I just think it was the wrong thing to do. But he did it. Um, well, you may not have heard, but Romanuk uh, agreed with you. Uh, maybe not the uh, oh. uh, skating on the all-star thing. Right. Um, but it's all propaganda. And again, I'm, I'm not defending it, but who fucking knows what threats are being made to Alex Ovechkin's family? But again, I, 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 I don't have, a, I don't have mm-hmm. uh, as much an opinion. I will say this. I have a bit of, a bit right. of here's, here's the part I find most perplexing. In light of all we've just talked about, including who we were talking about, explain this. Little piece. The establishment keeps trying to pull the world into conflict with a nuclear-armed Russia based on the lie that Russia represents our greatest threat. But the greatest threat to Western civilization today is 
not Russia. It's probably more than anything else ourselves and some of the horrible USA hating people that represent us. This is a I think there's something that I never would have thought I could have imagined a, a U.S. politician, let alone the former president of that country. Not denounce you, you forget Alex Ovechkin. What about this thing we've never seen before? An American politician siding with it's not I, I find that that's to me. Yes, Ovechkin's bad, but that's way worse. Way worse to me. No, I get it. And what he's talking about within America is critical analysis. People that might like a little more socialism might like the idea that people have more health care, like the idea that there would be less poverty, like the idea that there would be less guns. Those people that push back, you know, to them, to Trump and his band of idiots, those are squeaky wheels that hate America. They don't like America <laughs> for right. what it is right now. They want America to change. That's they funny. want America to change for the better. Yeah. But it goes counter to what they believe in or what might get them elected. So they're the enemy of America. When in reality, they're what's good about America. And isn't and again, that, yeah, I was going to say, isn't that interesting uh, that you bring that up that way? That those are the those are who the people he thinks hate America. Yeah. The ones that don't want tax breaks for the rich and to get rid of Medicare. Those are the American yeah. hating Americans. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, there you have it. A good old fashioned mm-hmm. humble and Fred rant about uh, America and Trump and the world. And and wasn't it all just fantastic? Let me just make sure I got the right extra here. Uh, tomorrow, we're going to be reading some of your emails. As always, we're going to try and pare it down. Uh, but we do appreciate everyone weighing in. Uh, thanks as always. The retirement Sherpa, no, Tim Nibble. That's not what I wanted to play. Just relax. The retirement Sherpa, <laughs> Tim Nibble. <laughs> Just everyone relax. Let me get this. I got four things now I have to pit. I'm, this one goes first. Here we go. And then. That one starts. This episode of Humble and Fred was brought to you by the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, Bodog, Aaron Ventures, EVNet.ca, and GoDaddy. We read all of our emails, Humble and Fred at HumbleandFredRadio.com. Liking and subscribing really helps us out by charging up the get-noticed algorithms. So does giving us all the hearts and stars, and telling your friends, of course. For Humble and Fred, I'm Dan Duran. And remember, it's better not to remember how old you are after you pass legal drinking age. Enjoy every goddamn day. There's a destination a little up the road from the habitations of the towns we know. A place we saw the lights turn low, the jigsaw jazz and the get fresh flow. Pulling out jobs and jamboree handouts, two turntables and a microphone. Bottles and cans, or just clap your hands, or just clap your hands. Where's that?